Hi Krishna everyone, welcome back to Shavanam Diaries podcast. Yes, yesterday's episode somehow first it was unpublished and then the wrong file was selected. My apologies. Yes, so we're growing, it's a process. Somehow I actually caught myself today on the thought that I really don't get discouraged by challenges and obstacles anymore because you get used to them after having them over and over and over again for many years in a row. Yes, so, okay, this is another <laughs> another one of those tests that we're supposed to just learn and move forward. So, let us continue with the message of Godhead, this incredible book by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Page number 25. Here we go. One may now ask, why did Lord Krishna explain all this transcendental knowledge to Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra? The answer is plain and simple. The fight that is fought in pursuance of military duty touches the body only, not the soul. As much as eating a sumptuous feast touches the hunger of the stomach only, not that of the mind. None of these material effects ever touch the eternal living entity, the spirit soul, because the living spirit is invincible, non-flammable, non-moistable, and non-dryable. Only things that are material can be cut into pieces, burnt up, moistened, and dried up in the air. Thus, to encourage Arjuna to fight, Krishna explained in so many ways that the living entity or spirit soul is entirely metaphysical. What is known in India as Sanatana Dharma, the eternal religion, is meant for this eternal, all-pervading, unchangeable, indestructible, living spirit. That is to say, real religion is transcendental to the various religious faiths that focus on the gross material body and the subtle material mind. Sanatana Dharma is not just for one particular people, place or time, rather it is eternal and all-pervasive. All religions except Sanatana Dharma are meant for culturing physical or psychological changes. The influences of various people, places and times have led us to designate ourselves as Hindus, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Socialists, Bolsheviks and so forth. Specifically in the field of religion, we have tried so many varieties of ephemeral physical and mental arrangement. We've tried to establish varieties of denominations according to various people, places and times. And precisely for this reason, we can envision ourselves changing religions. One who is a Hindu today may become a Mohammedan the next day, or one who is a Mohammedan today may become a Christian the next day and so on. But when we attain transcendental knowledge and are established in Sanatana Dharma, the actual eternal religion of the living entity, the spirit soul, then and only then can we attain real 
undeniable peace, prosperity and happiness in the world. Being minute and thus invisible to our material eyes, the spirit soul is called inexplicable, inconceivable and so on. The spirit soul is nonetheless understood to be eternal, because he is never subject to the ordeals of birth, death, old age and disease, or to any other physical transformations. Therefore, if we wish to be relieved of these physical transformations and attain eternal peace and happiness, there must be vigorous propagation of the eternal religion of the spirit soul. We should always remember, however, that this eternal religion of the soul is never bound by any limitations of people, place or time. Jai, we have completed the first chapter called Transcendental Knowledge and I feel fearless. I don't know how about you, but I really feel so fearless and empowered right now because like this whole topic of maybe that's why yesterday's episode was so messed up because I was too excited <laughs> because really like imagine people have tried to pursue this you know eternity invincibility but we are already we're just going into the wrong direction by trying to focus on our material changeable temporary designations and we're afraid of our lives and uh, we have all these insecurities and we basically it's all fear but technically if only we understood who we actually are our spiritual nature then all of these problems would just immediately disappear because they were not there in the first place that's why maya it's called maya because that which is not Hey, Chaitanya Madhusudana. Okay, so we're starting the next and last chapter of the book called Karma Yoga, work with transcendental results. Okay, the learned sages inform us that one takes his birth in India, the holy land of Bharatavarsha, after a gradual progress of evolution through 8,400,000 species of life, including 900 aquatic species, 2 million non-moving species such as vegetables, uh, 1,100,000 reptile and insect species, 1 million bird species, 3 million beast species and 400,000 human species. Mm -hmm. The living spirit transmigrates from one species of life to another and he is moving in that way for millions and millions of years within the hollow of the great universe. For this reason, the spirit soul is described as all-pervasive. As we have already mentioned, the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita states that one who has at long last taken his birth in the holy land of Bharatavarsha, India, should render the supreme benefit to others after he himself has become enlightened by self-realization. In no other country have great sages endeavored so much for the realization of the spirit self. It is admitted that in the western countries the people have done 
their best to advance the culture of material science, which is centered on the material body and mind. But notwithstanding all such advancement of material knowledge, in the West, the people in general, they are suffering the poisonous effects of materialism, because they have cared very little for the culture of spiritual science. Great thinkers in the Western countries must therefore look to India if the message of Godhead is to reach their ears. To douse the fire of materialism and brighten the future of mankind, Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, has elaborately discussed in Bhagavad Gita the subject of Karma Yoga work with transcendental results. There is a great difference between karma, work for material gain, and karma yoga, work with transcendental results. In several places throughout Bhagavad Gita, the Personality of Godhead mentions the word buddhi yoga, meaning intelligent work with transcendental results. Look at that. <laughs> And we can also understand Buddhi Yoga to mean transcendental devotional activities. Why? Because the Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna says that he always favors his devotees by endowing them with the intelligence to perform devotional activities so that in the end they may attain to him. In other places also it is said that God is attainable only through devotional activities. The conclusion is that we can get rid of the results of our work, karma, only by engaging in buddhi yoga or karma yoga. Or in other words, the intelligent process of working with transcendental results. In the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, the Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna advises as follows. Thus far I have explained transcendental knowledge to you. Now I shall explain work with transcendental results. By working in this way, you will get rid of the bondage caused by ordinary work. In this process, there is no loss or diminution. Even if very little of this work is done, it can save one from the greatest trouble. Working with transcendental results means engaging in activities of devotional service to Krishna. And how these devotional activities can be coordinated with our daily active life has been explained in Bhagavad Gita. This coordination is technically known as Karma Yoga. When mixed with the culture of knowledge, the same devotional activities are technically called Jnana Yoga. But when such devotional activities transcend the limits of all such work and knowledge, this state of affairs is called pure, transcendental devotion or Bhakti Yoga. The various actions we perform in this world beget various specific results. When we begin to enjoy these results, the fruits of our work, 
these actions of enjoyment also produce, in their turn, further results as a matter of course. Thus we develop a big tree of actions and reactions with their respective fruits. And as such, as the enjoyers of these fruits, we become bound up in the network of the tree of work and its fruit. Birth after birth, the spirit soul remains bound up in the process of producing such fruits and enjoying the same. We have very little chance of escaping this bondage of action and reaction, work and its fruity result. Even after abdicating all work and accepting the life of a sannyasi or renunciate, one still has to work, if only to fill his belly, his hungry stomach. So there is no way out, no way to avoid doing work, if only for the belly's sake. For the sake of the belly. Uh -huh. As a result, the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, advises Arjuna, O oh Arjuna, you must always do your duty. To do something is far better than to do nothing. You cannot even secure your everyday sustenance without doing some kind of work. Duty means work prescribed in the scriptures and sacred law books. Such work is far better than laziness under the pretension of being a renunciate or mystic yogi. To earn a living one can honorably adopt the profession of a street sweeper, but one must not change his dress to the saffron robes of a renunciant simply to fill up his belly, empty stomach. This is the instruction of Shankaracharya, the great monist philosopher and spiritual reformer. In the present age of quarrel and pretension, one should prefer to do ordinary prescribed duties rather than adopt the life of a renunciant. Those who are genuinely renounced understand that they must not give up performing their prescribed duty, daily duties in the social order. To do so would bring disaster, plain and simple. When we cannot secure our everyday sustenance without doing any work, how is it possible to give up our prescribed duties? And yet, one must not forget the difficult position of one's being in the network of action and reaction, by which the spirit soul remains bound up in material existence. So, to solve the dilemma, the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, advises as follows. The best policy for doing work is to perform all prescribed duties for the satisfaction of Yajna or Vishnu, the supreme being and absolute truth. Otherwise, all actions will produce reactions that will cause bondage. If work is done for the sake of Yajna, one will become free from all bondage. Yeah, we're going to stop here for today on this important, important point that, yes, being a yogi doesn't necessarily mean just going to the forest and taking on some robes. It means you have to work to at least just plainly maintain yourself, but it means you have to dedicate all your activities to 
the Supreme Lord and thus be freed from the chain of actions and reactions, basically from the chain of karma. Jai. Thank you so much for tuning in today and again I'm sorry for the messed up yesterday's um, premiere of the episode. Uh, we'll try to work on that. And the link to this book is in the description. So we will see you next time. Hare Krishna!